0: And it's cool to see a a young artist thinking outside of that instead of being like, how can I appeal to everyone on the Nerdcore Facebook group? (laughs) I know. (laughs) How can I breach as many people? But in the meantime, here's like-minded fools I can roll with. But not make that my goal, because gosh, that that doesn't give you much of longevity, I don't think. I know, right? People are gonna hate me for saying that.
1: Uh, yeah. People will hate me, but they already hate me. They already hate me on the group, <laughs> so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> There's only two thousand people on the group. There's so many more people than that in the entire world, and I've definitely had yeah. my troubles with the group. You know, I was really surprised when they started like being, you know, not kind to me because of like the way I look and because of my gender.
0: Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hello, everyone. You are listening to MC Lars Podcast. This is episode 105. It is October 5th. And guess what? Tomorrow's my birthday. Uh, my stepfather in law's birthday was Friday. Happy birthday, John. I hope you had a good one. We're all quarantined together, keeping it moving, keeping it real. So this week I talked to Lex, the lexicon artist, a uh bay area based rapper who relocated to the east coast right before covid she talks about that we talk about predictions about post covid touring we talk about sexism and nerdcore and we talk about her upcoming ep and we premiere her song pieces which comes out october 9th and the ep comes out the end of the month october 30th so be sure to follow her on spotify and uh, yeah it was a really good conversation this week's episode is brought to you by the following patreon lartians shout out to the new ones slay j harvey birdman esquire and eric siegel shout out to the old ones wade keith and darth benton right now is a little segment i like to call letters to atlas it's where people call in and leave a message to our son he just turned five months old he's laughing he's doing great every day is such an exciting adventure with him so if you want to leave a message to atlas that he'll hear when he's grown up. The Google voice number is 510-463-4237. Again, that's 510-463-4237. So this is a message from Brad from Phone Losers of America. And usually it's not a good thing when Brad has your phone number. (laughs) If many of you have listened to his podcast, know he's a really, really funny, prolific prank caller, but he left a sweet message for our son. So uh, here we go. Take it away, Brad. Busy sleeping, busy is he pooping. pooping, just checking in. How's a little, little boy doing? doing? These are some messages that, that you left. left. Wishing our little baby boy the best. Now it's time for Letters to Atlas. Please leave a message after the tone. Hello, this is a message for Atlas. This is Brad from the Phone Losers of America. And I need you to tell your dad in the background to shut the heck up and don't hold back. You use the H word on him, you. Tell him to shut the heck up. All right, cool. So let's keep it moving. This is my interview with Lex, the lexicon artist. Mm-hmm. Hello, friends. We have a special guest, someone I've wanted to have on the podcast since I started doing this. Lex, the Lexicon artist. Hello, Lex. Hey, Lars. We did the Stimulus Games tournament like recently, and I was like, oh, yeah, we still need to do the podcast. So I was really grateful you had time to talk to me so thanks for joining us oh yeah
1: no problem and you emailed me like right before it started like hey we're do- I'm doing this while we set up but do you want to be on the podcast I feel like you just you just remembered it all of a sudden
0: <laughs> yeah I was like oh wait I was like oh I need to do this sneakily hopefully it won't distract from our our tournament <laughs> and then you wrote me back and I was like okay cool yeah that's right are you in New York these days yeah I am what brought you east? Good question. Um, I was expecting to
1: be able to like expand here and do all sorts of like entertainment stuff and get involved in the nightlife scene and you know develop my brand, develop my business. But obviously, that hasn't been super possible so far. So I've had the chance to enjoy like the city for. Like, uh, two or three months before everything shut down. But, you know, I think I moved here initially from the Bay Area, which I know that you're from, um, because i had lived here for seven years and I felt like I was kind of hitting a ceiling over there. Like, I had met a mm-hmm. lot of people, but I didn't think, I didn't feel like there was a lot of, uh, like, the enter- entertainment side was kind of the um, main export. I felt like Europe probably would have been better for that.
0: So, okay, so you moved there at the beginning of 2020 to New York?
1: Actually, it was the end of 2019, September.
0: Wow. Yeah. So the timing was like, that's a rough time. I
1: know. I'm sorry. That <laughs> <Nah. I'm> sucks. <sorry. laughs> it's okay. You know, I got here and then I did a couple of tours and then I had the chance to enjoy the city a little bit for, um, you know, the winter time. Uh, but. I've been here this whole time. I've been in my apartment and following the rules and being a really uh, upstanding citizen about this whole thing.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's a great thing about the internet is that it connects us and it allows us to be, as artists, constantly put stuff out. And that's something you've done since I became aware of you. You have definitely been active. You definitely put a lot of stuff out. and You definitely work hard. And I guess I was curious, like when you were an undergrad, did you ever think that you'd be doing this art stuff full-time?
1: That's a good question. Um, You know, I think if a part of me always has wanted to do this art stuff full time like ever since I was maybe like 11 12 years old I've known that I wanted to do something with performance even though it wasn't really specifically in the cards it was uh you know my 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 path that was put out by my family and has been my path ever since I was born was you know uh finish k-12 school go to college and then like keep going from there see what you want to do maybe go to grad school uh but I think ever since I I was a preteen, I wanted to do something with performance. It wasn't until I got to UC Berkeley that I started getting uh, involved independently um, in artistic projects that I felt passionate about. So one of the main things that I did, which pretty much ended up taking over my entire college life, was this independent theater group that I joined in 2012 Mm. when I first entered uh, UC Berkeley. And that became my entire life, pretty much. It was kind of like a cult, like a social Group um, and you know, everyone who was involved in it was very obsessed with creating pieces, creating you know cutting edge experimental theater uh, for Asian Americans uh, in that space, and that pretty much was my entire college life. So after doing that, I felt like I wanted to take it a step further um, after I graduated uh, to see if I could create my own content, and I felt that you know rap music has always been. A something that I loved in childhood, and I wanted to use that form of expression, see where it would get me.
0: That's what's up, and that's the thing about like some of the best MCs through history have also been great actors, you know. And it's like being able to get on the mic, tell a story, be a character. It's a very similar. Thing with theater I mean it's the same stuff really it's a similar skill set would you agree yeah
1: yeah, I think I would agree I um, definitely honed a lot of this like on stage presence part of the performance when I was in Theater Rice which was the, the name of the group, um, and that was the first time that I had ever been on stage performing stuff that I created on my own accord, I was very excited about it, and I also got a lot of great direction from like the independent directors who were part of the group, and they often told me like physically like what I was doing with my hands, I was not aware of what I was doing with my arms, and they looked really stiff, so they would direct me and make me become more aware of my body. Um, mm. And after I came out of that group, I became a lot more aware of like how uh, I was appearing like physically, how my body was looking while I was on stage. And that was really valuable for me moving forward uh, when I started doing live performances as Lexa Lexicon artist.
0: That's what's up. Um, and so... We met because you came to M- Mega Ran in my show. I guess it was. I
1: think it was 2018. I think it was
0: um, Bottom of uh, the Hill, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. It was Bottom of the Hill. It was probably February of that year. It was before South by Southwest, um, or maybe it was 2017. I, no, it, everything is kind of blurring in my head, but it was one of those. I think it was 2018.
0: <laughs> it was, yeah. It was a tour that we had routed a, like around South by Southwest. I think. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right.
0: I remember you had, like, broken your arm or your wrist or something. I had broken
1: my foot, actually. Your foot? Yes. Oh, and,
0: you st- and you're still at the show. That's right. <laughs> Are you were on crutches, or were you in a wheelchair? Um,
1: I had this, like, big, heavy boot that I was wearing. Yeah. Uh, I had broken my foot in probably, uh, like, late 2016, and for some reason, I still continued to wear that boot for a really long time um, before... Taking it off, but I probably didn't wear it for an entire year, so it must have been 2017. Man, I think that's it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no, I, I, Lex, I'm remembering, and then 2018, you and your band opened for me at DNA Lounge. Yeah,
1: probably. Yeah, that's right.
0: Like the the following, yeah. Yeah. So and then and then and then suddenly you were touring a lot. Like suddenly I was hearing, "Wow, Lex is out on the road with all my friends," and I was like, "Oh, good for Lex." And so like. What were the steps to go from being a local artist to like being a national touring artist? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, they'd be curious to hear about your story and, and your journey in
1: that. Yeah, it's actually actually a really interesting story. Um, you know, you probably don't know it or maybe you know or maybe you forgot, but uh you were actually very instrumental in helping me get to that point because you hey. recommended me to the Bookers of Magwest, which is the the West Coast arm of Magfest. And that's how they became aware of me. And uh that was one of the first major gigs that I played within this scene. Uh so I really appreciate Uh, your recommendation so that was one of the yeah that was a big step yeah yeah that was a big step so um, as far as going from local to like touring um, you know obviously playing the local festivals and playing the local shows and conventions was a really big step Uh, and and then from there uh, one of the big things that happened was I opened for MC Chris in San Francisco in 2018 Uh, And I I did that because he was touring with BitForce at the time, and I had just met BitForce in uh, Austin during South By in 2018. Oh, wow. Yeah, and Joey from BitForce uh, said that he would put in a good word for me uh, to MC Chris, wh- who they were touring with. And so when they came around to San Francisco, I opened for them, and that was how Chris had heard about me. And then eventually, sometime after the show, maybe two months after, he reached out to me asking me if I wanted to do the national tour. And that was really exciting. So... Um, I do believe that it was a chain of events from meeting BitForce to meeting MC Chris to, you know, having him uh, ask me to go on tour. And then that was the tour that really set things off. After that, I started getting uh, more like national conventions, like the main East Coast MAGFest, more like South by Southwest Anime Expo. And then, you know,
0: from there, more tours. That's what's up. And it's like that age old phrase, right? The success is preparation Meets luck or whatever, like you're re- you're ready, like to do those things, and also it's cool because nerdcore has always been typically, I feel, as a disservice, like very homogenous culturally and a lot of dudes, and so like the fact that you are able to bring your perspective. And you had your kick-ass band and like original style and great videos. Like it was cool to see you do things correctly and then be successful.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I like that you said do things correctly because it implies that there is an incorrect way to do things, which I agree with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have that in common in that we went to these Bay difficult to get into Bay Area schools where we really had to be prepared and manage our our passion with like the stuff we had to get done and i feel like being an being especially a rapper is like you have to have your business you have to have your taxes you have to all vote that and then you have to have your creative side and like how did cal get you set up to do things correctly and inspire you to be an artist my
1: time at cal is a little bit of a blur because i spent so much time doing theater uh like it was just all the time, like constantly, I was always, you know, uh, they had this pitching process where, you know, you uh, go into this really, really competitive, like, uh, pitching room, and then you give them their ideas. And then at the end of the the night, like it might go until like 2am, they decide what's going in the show. It's just such a really, yeah, it's, it was a super competitive and unnecessarily um, full of pressure and I feel like that was one of the things that actually prepared me to, you know, get, got me set up to do things correctly because I had to be so prepared to go into that pitch meeting uh, and have my idea for the script all, you know, fleshed out and how many people were going to be in it and what genders they had to be and, you know, I just had to get all get all my ducks in a row and be really prepared uh, so that I could present to these people who were like a couple years older than me. And have mm. them decide what should be in the show. So you know, as as far as the theater stuff, that that was probably one of the one of the big things. Uh, I did a lot of extracurriculars. I was a leader of an acapella group at one point. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. And I was the music manager and I had to do a lot of like arrangements for the group. And I also had to schedule rehearsals and manage sectionals and all that stuff. So I did get some, uh, leadership experience out of doing that, but it was also super stressful and I ended up quitting after a semester. No one could blame me. Cause that was the first year that we were doing like the, the ICCA competition, which is the international collegiate, uh, acapella, whatever, something like the international acapella competition. Uh, uh, and it was the first time that our group was doing it. So I think I did an okay job uh, managing that part. Now they're a successful a cappella group, so I'm happy to see them grow. But um, yeah, That's right.
0: yeah. <laughs> That's why I noticed some of your songs, you have like melodic choruses. So you're trained as a singer as well as an MC. Correct.
1: Um, I, I guess that I'm more of a like musician, uh, like, yeah. a, like an instrumentalist. I, I didn't play in orchestras when I was in, at Cal, but... Um, I, I did do the acapella thing. I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm like an amazing singer, but they did help me become better at singing. Uh, but I am classically trained violinist.
0: I didn't know that. Do you ever think of playing violin on stage? Have you ever done that? Yeah,
1: I have not done that so far. But that is something yeah. that I want to incorporate. Um, it can be really hard when you're running all the tracks yourself and all of the instruments yourself, but I do want to incorporate um like a like a drum pad, you know, maybe uh, you know, play violin on stage, maybe in support of other people. That's definitely something that I've considered doing.
0: Cool. So you have this hidden chest of musical skills. And so you're balancing that with and what were you? You were a psychology major. That's, right. That's not an easy thing. I was one class away from a psych minor. And it was definitely my most challenging class. I was
1: trying to figure out what uh, major I wanted to do at the end of high school. And at the time, I was seeing a school counselor because I was going through a really hard time in 12th grade. And uh, the counselor was a psychology major, and she suggested that I go into Mm -hmm. psychology. And I thought that that was a good idea. So, yeah, that's why I did it. The requirements were a little more lenient when I first entered in 2012 uh, they didn't require me to take really advanced math classes, the only thing that they did require me to do is like one basic stats course and one psychology mm-hmm. stats course and I remember taking the basic stats course, stats 2 it was called in the summer because I wanted to get the requirement over with so I didn't have to take any math classes again because I don't like math, right? (laughs) Um, And I remember taking that class and it was being taught by this physics professor, Mike Wong, Uh, at Berkeley and he wasn't a stats professor but he made stats so fun like he was the best professor I ever had at Berkeley he was a summer professor and he made stats so fun so easy and it was so challenging and I got like a I got a D in one of the exams I never get D's I always get A's Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah and um but I eventually I got an A in the course because he made me understand statistics so well and by the time I moved on to the psych stats course which which is like a higher level, upper class uh, course, everyone else around me was struggling and I was just having a ball. I was like, ah, this is easy. And everyone was like, I don't want to do stats. I just want to learn about child psychology development. I'm like, nah, like I want to study this.
0: (laughs) We had to take a stats class. It was about learning when results and like data was significant when it's not like the standard deviation and percentages and when things were like, when it was like science versus like pseudoscience or conjecture. And I thought that was like really cool. And I try to, I try to apply that to when I see like if an artist is doing well, see what other venues they're doing well in, like what's the probability they'll translate well live? What are their YouTube statistics? How does that apply to like them growing? And it's interesting to me, I don't know, to take that and apply it to the music industry. That
1: is really interesting. I don't think I've ever considered that before, but I would definitely like to do that now. Like As far as I remember, I've forgotten a lot from Professor Mike Wong's stats course, but he um, definitely focused on this... Uh, um, you know, part of stats where it's is—is is this just random noise? Is this just random variation, or is the variation like significant? Like that's the p value, right? Like if the p value right, is above right. a certain value, that means that like there's a significant effect that this this particular condition or situation is having um, on this subject uh, of the experiment.
0: Lex, I've always felt like for me as an artist, my goal. Is always to be able to do this another year and do it well and do it on my terms. And so to do that, there's a whole bunch of things you have to like align to make sure the probability of X, Y, and Z going well go well, right? Yeah, like that's important. Those like thinking about things numerically as an artist is important. What? So when we talk about that, we talk about your background in psychology, your hard work, where you've gotten, your touring. Where's what are your goals and like how do you feel? Like your experience has prepared you for that? And what more like experience do you hope to keep getting to get your goals? You know what I mean? Wow,
1: huge question. (laughs) Um, Well, let's talk about experience. I personally am a fan of new experiences my goal is to gain more great experiences on the road I want to do more touring um, I want to play bigger shows uh, and I want to you know gain the new experiences the life experience not even the music stuff but the life experiences mm. that you can get on the road are something that I would never trade for anything so um, I think that I as, as far as goals go I want to be like I want to hit the level of like a mid-sized artist um, who's able to To go on the road maybe twice a year, um, and have like a sizable Patreon so that all of that can kind of fund me to do like what you do, which is uh, make more stuff on my own terms uh, and live my own life on my own terms and have the support to do so. Uh, And I want to like as a starting point get to that point where I can make the stuff I want to make, that the stuff that people want to hear on my own terms.
0: Holler! That's what's up, and be able to be right. Be a self-sustaining entity. It sounds like where that's the beauty of the internet and being an independent artist. Where no one you get to decide when you tour, what you put out, and like I think it's the it's having your schedule be your own is the most luxurious thing in the world. I
1: think. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, yeah, you know it's it's certainly not for everyone. It's certainly not an easy time for you to be able to get to a certain point where you can make a living from it but like i did my taxes this year and i realized that i'm making a similar amount compared to when i had a full-time job and i have so much more time now uh yeah and i'm doing stuff that i enjoy rather than being in the office eight plus hours so a lot of people don't have that luxury so i feel very lucky
0: So what was your, I didn't know about this, what was your day job before?
1: Ah, I was a marketing agent for tech companies, like small tech companies, yeah.
0: So that's why you're good at marketing yourself, because you had skills with that. That's right. When I think about Nerdcore, I think about it as like, it's cool because you get a built-in fan base, you get built-in people coming to see you, you get like a network, a touring network, but it also... You know, I have friends who've like started in their core and left because it was limiting. Because there's definitely a ceiling. You know what I mean? And like, oh
1: no, I think about limits all the time. I'm always thinking about how to take the next step and to access more audiences. Because I think you're right. I think that there is a like a sizable but limited audience that consumes only content from this subgenre and there is a lot of overlap and I've done a lot of research on this in the last couple months since I haven't been able to tour Uh, I've spent a lot of time doing research on adjacent scenes so scenes that Hmm. have independent artists who are doing similar things and have an overlap like a crossover audience with us but aren't Like, specifically within this, like, subgenre group we call Nerdcore, right? And it's totally feasible that people who like, you know, their content would also like my content. They just don't have a way to access it. Right. Um, And so the key for me is to always be looking out for these access points, whether that's collaboration, whether that's opening for one of these artists, whether that's going viral on Twitter, like, however much luck that would take. Um, like access is a thing, and people might really, really like your stuff. They just have never heard of it and have no way to access it. So, um, you know, I think I do think that the Nerdcore subgenre is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Um, and it's more of a blessing than a curse, of course, because a lot of the people who primarily consume Nerdcore content, they are very generous, they're really awesome fans, they're very um involved and active. And they are very, 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 very passionate about the artists that they like and support. So, I would never trade that support for anything in the world. At the same time, I think I can appeal to those people and also expand outside. So that's one of the goals that I want to do as well.
0: You know, so so often it becomes so insular, and we don't have to get deep into this, but like some of the f- like Facebook groups and stuff, it becomes all about tearing people down and like keeping it like just having this myopic vision. And it's cool to see a, a young artist thinking outside of that instead of being like, how can I appeal to everyone on the Nerdcore Facebook group? That <laughs> For me, that's never been my goal. I my know. goal was always <laughs> shooting. Uh, you know, I was always like, how can I reach as many people? But in the meantime, here's like-minded fools I can roll with. But not make that my goal, because gosh, that that doesn't give you much of longevity. I don't think. I know, right? People are gonna hate me for saying that. Uh, yeah. People will hate me,
1: but they already hate me. They already hate me on the group, <laughs> so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> There's only two thousand people on the group. There's so many more people than that in the entire world, and I've definitely had yeah. my troubles with the group. You know, I was really surprised when they started like being, you know, not kind to me because of like the way I look. And because of my gender, uh, I was I I thought that people were past that, but apparently they're not. And I thought that my work was good enough for people to overlook that part. But apparently Uh. it's not. And apparently people are still sexist. So um, I've just decided that I don't want to try to appeal to them anymore. You know, I'm just going to make the content for the people who already really like me and try to access people who don't like me yet, but could possibly like me in the future.
0: Young people, like teenagers, like they have a fresh perspective, right? They're not jaded. If you can kind of tap into new universal themes and like do something that they want to play for their friends, like I always love when kids come to my shows with their parents yeah. and they're like geeked out because it's like that's who you want to hit. And I, I don't know, Lex. Like I feel like some of that stuff, insular infighting, and we can—I'll we'll, change subject soon because I don't want to get too <laughs> negative. It's jealousy, people who want to tour and just. They're like, oh, I haven't had my break. Well, there's something wrong with this person who has. And I think like just, <laughs> just ignoring that, I mute the group. I had a lot of beef from them because I did the VPN, the vocal, whatever it's called, the vocal producer VPC. challenge. And I gave VPC and I gave people honest feedback and I guess no one was trying to hear my I know feedbacks. right <laughs> <laughs> So it's like you can't, that's why I talk about it being a blessing and a curse. It's an active audience and, but you can't Make it a prison. You can't let it be a prison, and I think that's like been for me realizing. Oh yeah, keep it moving. I don't. uh, Once you're once you're bigger than that, it's you. I don't know. You don't need to ask for their approval.
1: I keep it moving. You know. You know. Um. These these people. They, as you mentioned, like it's possibly jealousy. These people. They also create content, but like without focusing on them, there are a lot of nerdcore fans who don't create music. Like they love the content that we make. And they love listening to it, and it's all positive, and it's always good vibes, and there's never any like jealous infighting um, coming from the fans themselves. So why not just create content that
0: appeals to them? Being generous with your time at shows, being there at merch, listening to their stories. I find so much of it is like we talk about psychology. I become a therapist for some people. Like every time I see them in Iowa, they're going to tell me what happened with their cancer treatment or their son. And I try to remember everyone's stuff so I can process it. And I think- and give them feedback and love. And it's it's important to be present in their lives as a human, that's right? right? I bet you realize you see that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And I think the main thing, uh, you agree with me on this, is uh, these people are not just listening for the music. They're listening for the personality behind the music. Like they are invested in you as MC Lars. They're invested in your story. They're invested in your perspective. And so when you show up for them, when you show up for them as a human and you listen to their stories, that makes them feel appreciated. And that's... A psychological principle. <laughs>
0: oh, that's right. Yeah. That's tight. What's it, What's the principle called? Or is it th- just like the theme of, of being present?
1: Uh, reciprocity. I think. Like that's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That might be what is called. But it's reciprocity. It's if you do something nice for someone, then like they're more likely to. Uh, remember well they're more likely to remember you and they're more likely to return the favor too like obviously it seems really basic but they actually did a lot of studies on that where um, you do a favor for someone that actually makes them more likely to become your friend even if they weren't your friend in, in, uh, in the beginning
0: so much of culture is like this passive con- consumption and passive like you go to a concert you go to see a big band they don't necessarily care about you as a person you're just there to give them money and enjoy this giant mass experience but it's a total different thing to play for a hundred people in the bar and then all those people meet you and you get to talk to them and have a recurring friendship with them the reciprocity the then they want to rep you and they want to promote you and that's why it's been cool like seeing i told you this like so many lex shirts and hats i'm like oh people appreciate you they're wrapping your stuff to the other shows and then people will be on our shows and be like, oh look that person likes lex oh they're i should check out what she's doing so it's they then in turn help you grow, but it's not in a marketing algorithmic cynical way. It's real. And I think that is so cool to me. Well,
1: you know what I mean? yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think it's cool, too. And I do think that um, it is we, we often as artists, and this is something that I discovered about myself as artists, we often lose sight of how much music means to people in their lives, especially people who don't create music themselves. I remember when I didn't create music when I was younger, um, I would just be so invested in the, the artists, the albums that I listened to. And I would think about like talking to them. I would think about you know going to their concerts yeah. and rocking out and like these people are getting to live their dreams because they they've listened to you for like 10 plus years and so you have no idea how much it means to them and they put you on this pedestal as, as like this like this idol and obviously i haven't had that precedent yet cuz i've only been doing this for 4 years but like i think that i see that with the people who have that precedent that i tour with and there are a lot of mm. people who um you know come to come to them and uh experience how much it means that you know the music that they put out 10 years ago helped them through a really hard time um and so you know just never lose sight of that because i was thinking during this quarantine um Mm. i've been losing sight of it and i haven't been losing uh listening to as much music but uh, really it does mean a lot to people who have been consuming it for an amount of time and really relate to your personality and your stories
0: yeah, you're right. That's true because it becomes part of their their soul. Even if we can use like a metaphysical term, like yeah, your soul. Yeah, I something I always do, Lex. I wonder if, if you feel me on this. Whenever there's a line of people, something I learned this early on. You can't cut anyone off ever you have to listen even if they're drunk sometimes it's hard when they're drunk you have to like hug them talk to them (laughs) listen and if there's someone behind i always do the thing like have you met this person and try to introduce them so i can like get the line moving but you can't ever end a conversation prematurely like okay you bought your city peace like that's that can be exhausting but i think it's necessary to maintain that relationship and that sort of like human element because like if you and i were talking and you know we're friends we're talking i it would be rude to like all of a sudden say, okay, peace. I got to go like do something that's like not that important. How do you keep your energy up for like those kind of interactions?
1: That's a really great question. Um, I do think that I am on the more interactive side as far as like uh, people I've toured with. Well, Super Smack was pretty interactive too, um, but like I am the same as you. I love talking to these people and you know hearing their stories. And I never feel good about cutting them off or you know wanting to do something. But I try to keep it like as natural as possible. And it is exhausting and it does take a lot of energy. But I think that's like the fun part of it, right? Like it's really yeah. fun. And as a woman, I have to take more precautions because there are mm. people who get drunk and sometimes you know uh, forego the necessary boundaries. But I think that it's also really important to remember that um, in a fan artist interaction, there's a different dynamic like let's say you run into a fan a longtime fan like on the street right that's a more casual interaction where there's no kind of there's no dynamic where you're on stage you're the performer and then they're the fan buying the merch right and then it feels more friendly but in the context of like a stage show I think that someone who's sitting behind the table still has an elevated dynamic compared to the other person now that doesn't mean that you're more important than them but that means that That fan is there to see you. They've paid tickets to see you. They're there to buy your um they're there to buy your merch and they're there to tell you how much the music means to them and that's something that i've had to really internalize in myself because i always sometimes i start talking like i'm friends with them and like you know honestly like i like to make friends with my fans but at the same time um i need to remind myself that what if i was watching an artist that i really liked and i was talking to them about how much i like their music I would probably behave in a different way and expect uh, mm. a different thing. So I needed to put myself in the shoes of the fans who are talking to me. And that has made it easier. And that has made it um, made me feel less self-conscious about the way I'm interacting with them. Uh, because I, um, I won't worry as much about what they think of me, knowing that pretty much anything I say, they're going to be a fan of because they're here to see me.
0: Right, now that's true. I used to w- worry that I'd said the wrong thing or right. handled a uh, interaction incorrectly, but you can't let that you can't let that make you crazy because it can because you want every fan interaction to be perfect, right, but they but that can be hard so I, and also knowing when a fan you talked about like when fans are inappropriate, if a fan says something that I don't like or something offensive or if someone's drunkenly spilling stuff on the table, it's like you got to be like, all right, all right, back up or like if they're. Taking too much time, you got to be like, all right. This there's obviously a line behind you. So having boundaries, like you talked about, like the boundary of being behind the table. Sometimes it's hard for me to be the bad guy, and because I'm Mister Nice in the scene or whatever. But like that's necessary because you can get walked all over. And then you hate your job.
1: Yeah, it's necessary. I think it's absolutely necessary to set boundaries. It can be really hard because you want to be really friendly. But when people start putting drinks on your table, like that can really ruin all the merch. So I'm always like no drinks on the table. Now I've been like, I've been unnecessarily harsh at times in the past where I was like, no drinks on the table. Um, But uh, there's a good balance between being nice and also being firm.
0: Well, and it's not too hard to hold your drink in a way, in a responsible way, while you're talking to an artist socially, buy merch, you know? Like, I, also, I you talked about how you would you would interact with the f- a musician you were a fan of. Whenever I've seen a musician I like, I want to keep, since I know what it's like for the musician, I like to keep the interaction like to two or three minutes. Like, I like exactly. this song. Can you sign this? Thank you very much. And I love fans who are similarly like, hello, and all business, they appreciate the moment, they realize... They realize it's tiring. Yeah, like shout out to those fans, if any are listening. We appreciate, appreciate all fans, but the ones who are like make our job easy, (laughs) we appreciate the most. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I think the ones who do that are, I I love all fans as well, Um, but there are people who really appreciate that that kind of, you know, time limit, and they know that, you know, other people are waiting, and, you know, as a musician, as someone who's done this, like, I've made it a conscious effort that whenever I go to see someone I like uh, to to play music, I also keep it short, and I try not to fan out too much, and I try to keep it all business because... I just know, I just know that, I just know that they're tired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why a lot of, here's the difference between us and like the bigger, I would say bands or whatever, is that they have people who run the merch and then they'll come out for like a finite meet and greet at the end. You know? I mean, I feel like, are you, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how you do your merch, but are you usually out like at your table when you're not performing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I run yeah. the table. Yeah. I run the table. Sometimes I run my tourmates' table.
0: And that's what friends need to do for each that's other. That's right. That's what's up. And so that, but that's different because like you have a bigger artist playing theater or something. They'll come up maybe for the and group, but maybe not. Sometimes they don't even meet the fans and that's, that's so different. I mean, that's hard to imagine.
1: It can be hard to imagine that. Um, but I do know that obviously the bigger artists, they have, it's just such a huge volume of, you know, people uh, waiting to see them that like they can monetize it so now they're charging VIP tickets so now you can only yeah. meet them if you pay an extra amount
0: and then it's a finite a manageable amount of people who can afford it and yeah like I've seen artists friends of mine get to that level and it's cool because it makes their show better because they're less tired talking about all this Lex like it's got we don't have to delve too much into this but I think about like all the human to human interaction that drives our business and I think about that and I think about covid and like i'm like man when i go out having a baby like next time i go out it's like i really wonder how what merch will be like different well we be there the whole time with a face mask and gloves like what the heck like how do you deal with drunk people it's like i'm like ooh what's going to happen like with touring in the next year or two do you ever think about I, that i
1: think about it a lot um and you know i think once I personally don't think that touring is going to return until there's like a working vaccine that's maybe like 50 to 70 percent effective. Um, which at least makes the disease less, you know, less serious, which can cut down on a lot of the, you know, transmission and the death rate. Um, and at that point, I think people will start moving back to a normal. Um, but there's going to be like a buffer time of like maybe like two to three months when everyone's getting the injection, um, that people we'll still have to wear face masks and, you know, maybe there will be shows during that time where people have to wear face masks in the venue. And honestly, I'm not going to complain. You know, like I think that we're just not going to do handshakes. We're not going to hug and um, I'm just going to be back to happy to be back doing it again. You know?
0: I know. I know. And I wonder, yeah, no, that's true. Like I'm all for face masks and like trying to, If you can social distance, even though it's hard, like in a a venue, like, but the question is like, do we be like, I don't want to be a carrier of it, like unknowingly spread it and all of that stuff. And like, that's just something I think about. I'm like, wow, is it, are things changed permanently or like, is this just a blip? I think it's a blip. And how does yeah. that affect us?
1: Yeah, I think basically. it's a blip. Um, I know that it seems really hard to imagine because it seems like there's no end in sight, but I think it's a blip. Like people have gone through pandemics in the past, took two or three years without yeah. a vaccine. You know, Spanish flu took like two years to like rip through the population. Um, even the bubonic plague eventually ended. The Spanish flu eventually ended. So it might take a while. I think it's going to take until like maybe early next year, like spring, summer. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think that, I think that it will be a blip, and eventually we'll get back to normal. However, I don't want people to ever forget that this happened because um, we the the norm. There was a lot of things that were wrong with the normal. Obviously, live shows, nothing wrong with that. But there was a lot of things that were wrong with the normal, um, and I think that people should have access to better care and people should have better working conditions. People should be paid more during their work and we shouldn't just go back to normal and say like, oh, like, la la la, like, you know, I guess we're gonna go back to paying McDonald's workers $7 seven an hour again. <laughs>
0: mm. Like, I, I appreciate your positivity that this will pass and we'll be mm-hmm. better for it as let's a- Let's all
1: remember that this happened. People, and let's all remember that, you know, um, that we need to look out for each other And, like, we can grow from this.
0: And it reminds us that, like, the things that divide us, whatever they are, geographically, culturally, whatever, like, we are all human. We can all get these viruses. It kind of is unifying in a way, as divided as we are, right? We're all Susceptible, and that's what I've been thinking about, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
0: Is there anything you want to like plug or talk about, or something that recent stuff, or just anything you want to plug your Patreon or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna plug my Patreon. It's Lex the Con Artist, that's L E X T H E Con Artist, and pretty much all my socials are under that except Facebook, but you can pretty much just search my name that's appearing on the Spotify and yeah you can go find it is
0: your patreon new music or what do you drop through the i patreon? drop
1: a lot of things like music videos um like instrumentals behind the scenes videos things like that
0: years ago i was like there's this juggalo artist named lex the hex master and i always wanted you two to collaborate
1: yeah he's actually reached out to me at some point but it was a while ago before we sign off uh I will probably have a new music video out by this time. I've been working on it for a while. So there's that. And then I, uh, and this is actually an exclusive for your podcast. Um, I am working on a new music EP, which should be dropping in November.
0: Oh, okay. So this will be out before that. That's what's up. So check, keep your eyes peeled for Lex's new EP. Yeah. How do you work so quickly?
1: Um,. I focus I'm really focused When I create stuff It is uh, Something that I'm good at uh, But I'm not good at Doing too much multitasking If I'm working on your verse I'm working on your verse For Four hours And then I record it And then I send it off Um, and you know, sometimes I wish I could work faster, but it's, uh, I do like a sequential thing where I like, I work on this project for four hours and then I work on this project for four hours and I like finish it, finish it, finish it. Um, it really depends on if I, if I have time. And honestly, during COVID, I have all the time in the world.
0: Therefore, that's why you got a new project dropping.
1: That's right. And I finished writing, uh, five of seven songs at this point.
0: Good job, Lex. That's what's up. Follow Lex on her social media and, uh, go see her when she's on tour. And yeah, that's what's up. Thank you, Lex.
1: Thank you, Lars. Instant
2: chemistry.
0: Thanks, Lex, and thanks for letting us premiere pieces on the podcast. Be sure to check out the single and pick up her EP when it drops later this month. Uh, Next week, we have a special guest, Rabid B. Hatchet Man, which is a skit I did with Schaefer the Dark Lord based on a really funny WFMU uh, bit that we listened to like a hundred times on our tour in February. So I'll explain it. And we also have a special cameo from MC snacks who does the hatchet chats with me. So if you're unfamiliar with that, check out uh, my YouTube channel. We've been reviewing the ICP discography and talking about other stuff. And I'm going to be doing Twitch streaming again. If you miss it, They'll be on my YouTube channel, so be sure to subscribe. And Freestyle Friday, every Friday. We have the Attack of the Clones Star Wars song coming out on Patreon. So if you haven't joined the Patreon, check it out because you'll get to hear all my Star Wars raps. Okay, thanks a lot, I'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye.